Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast, where on this day, we're, we're breaking the mold a little bit. So often, we find that monsters have anywhere from two to a shit ton of eyes. This time, <laughs> we're going to pair it back. We're going to live our lives simply like Henry David Thoreau before us, and we're going to talk about the Cyclops. The old big old one-eye. Yeah, old one-eye. Well... <laughs> the big old one-eyed monster. Yeah, hold on. I, I realized after I said it, I was like, wait, it's this too is a late. euphemism, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's the euphemism for the peembus. <laughs> it's the peepus. Thank you. It's the peebus one. <laughs> so this is one of those lore-heavy, similarly to the chimera or the crawling claw, similarly, but not like straight on. It's not like a one-for-one -one ratio. But this is one of those very lore-heavy mechanically very simple kinds of monsters in the same way that the chimera the chlamydia the same way that the <laughs> in the same way that the chimera had like an entire page of lore and then an itty bitty little stat block same thing going on with the cyclops there's a whole bunch of text that goes into detailing about their lives and their psychology but there's not so much into the fighting stuff and dnd is a fighting game so uh, i it, there's nothing egregiously wrong what's there is fine it's just, you know, it's another one of those instances where I was expecting a creature with such mythological history to have a little bit more to it mechanically as well. I guess, I mean, like, it's just a big buff guy with one eye. Like, what what more could they give this thing? Yeah, for sure. They, they <laughs> There wasn't technically a lot they could do. Yeah. But yeah. They, they did give, it was a very surprising amount of depth about the life of the Cyclops. Yeah, even if most of it is just uh, Odyssey stuff. Yeah. But what's there is good and works, and I'm not actually annoyed or disappointed. It's fine. And you'll see that it is fine. And I believe we'll all end up agreeing that it's fine. So without any further ado, let's start talking about the monster. <laughs> I'm going to do this thing where I say things that aren't puns with the inflection as though it were a pun. <laughs> Let's start talking about the monster. Let's continue with this podcast. So in terms of the artistic representation that we get, this is a wide chap. This is a fucking <laughs> large human. That's not even. This is a large person. And like, look at this, like this, this, this scurvy dog. Like this is a Harryhausen motherfucker right here. He looks like he just walked out of Jason and the Argonauts. He's all like, it's all straps and leathers and he's all fucking flushed and got the one big bulbous nose sticking out of his gross cantaloupe eye. Yeah, it looks like he eats mussels for breakfast. Absolutely. He looks like a Resident Evil main character from back in the days of the good <laughs> Resident Evils. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he looks like a good solid Redfield, he does. Absolutely. This this is a Redfield if I've ever seen one. And speaking of red, that nose, like he just pounded an entire <laughs> keg of vodka. Yeah, he, he absolutely, he looks like he pounded an entire keg of alcohol and then bashed the keg off his own nose. Yeah, it's like cartoonish. I really love it. It's so silly. <laughs> 
It's quite good. It's quite good. I can't tell if it's like turned up like a pig's nose or if it's just bulbous. No, I think it's I think he's just rocking a Fred Flintstone up in this piece. Let me zoom in. Let's get, let's zoom in and enhance. Uh, enhance. Ah. Uh, Hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, it it is difficult to tell. There are there do seem getting a close look. It does seem to be like nostrils at the bottom of it. I think it's just the yeah. angle of his dangle, so to speak. His head is upturned. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Something that uh, bothers me, the muscle to hair ratio is very strange for a creature of this size. <laughs> is There's a lot of muscles going on, but he's not very hairy. Yeah, his body is incredibly bare. Yeah. But the hair on top of his head is ratty and like... Yeah, yeah. I was expecting just like a little, a little trail, a little trail of tears, so to speak. Well, it's very, uh, it's very Greek. Yes, it is very Greek. Yes. I, I, yeah, I yes. see what you're saying. It's very statuesque. There's... Yeah, it's it's very it's very Greek in its representation of a big muscly boy and that he would be oiled and bare. Yeah, I think that is, I think that's what they're going for. You're totally right. It was just a, like, even the pits. There's nothing going on in them, <laughs> in them underarms. And yeah, nothing in the pits. But, but now that you mention the, the Grecian influence, I'm seeing the... I'm, I, I see that that is appropriate, like, with the, the shape and the figure and how wide and then, like, the tiny little bodybuilder nipples that he's got going on. He's even doing, like, <laughs> if you look at it from this perspective, I the first thing I was going to say is it looks like he's doing a JoJo pose almost, but, like, <laughs> he's he, he's doing a very body-twistingly statuesque pose, like a, like a Greek statue as well. Absolutely. It, it is very dramatic. It is very Renaissance. You're You're right. I'd make a JoJo reference, but I know nothing. It's it's okay. You don't need to know anything about it. <laughs> yeah. So it is very traditionally Grecian, which is appropriate considering the content of the picture. Beyond that, it's pretty much what you'd expect. You get in close, he's got like a real flush snaggletooth maw, a real mad baby face. This is like a big old one-eyed baby. And uh, in yeah, terms aside, aside from that one sharp tooth in the very front that looks like it's all broken, he does have pretty nice teeth. Well, what about the bottom, the bottom jaw going on? I'm definitely seeing yeah, some. Yeah, yeah. There's some misleveling. There's some. It's uh, just it looks it looks more <laughs> much like Sonic in the new movie. It's a way more human teeth than I expected. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, know. yeah. This is a <laughs> profoundly human thing, and I think that it was a good choice to lean more into the human aspects of the Cyclops to make that big wet eye of his so disconcerting. <laughs> he does look very teary. Yeah. But beyond that, it is straps and cloths and makeshift boots and golden accoutrement around his neck that we'll talk about in a second. It seems to be part of the lore. Is wielding a big old spiky club, basic Cyclops things, things that you would expect to see on a, a creature of this type, the like big brute kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but on the whole, I, I think I agree, and I think I do like the idea that it is kind of classical in its structure. The musculature is very pronounced. There isn't very much hair. It does look very classically Grecian, and now that you pointed that out, I, I think I like this picture a fair bit more. Yeah, and one of the things I think is the most interesting about it is, like, how the stark lighting is so different from every other creature. Absolutely, so it's very dramatic. It is very Renaissance. It's very... uh. It's very, hell, it is even very, like, epic, it, dare I say. Yeah, the the shading and stuff on it, like, if you just kind of 
fill your screen with only the picture of the Cyclops, it looks like the cover of a movie from like the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Well, like it, it all it just highlights that beefy bod. <laughs> That's that loud beef. that sloppy Joe of a monster. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny that he's so rippling from like the nipples up yeah his abs are non-existent because he's got that round cyclops belly yeah yeah and he's got a he's got some stuff going around his head (laughs) yeah it's uh that's for sure a nice body gross face kind of kind of (laughs) scenario but yeah on the whole i like this mad baby with a big old club i think it's good (laughs) it's mad baby it's a mad baby with a big old club oh oh you're right you're right Welcome back to Mad Baby with a Big Old Club. It's me, Mad Baby. It's a very specific radio show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the lore, we're told right off the bat that Cyclops are isolationist creatures by nature, choosing to live out their lives in very secluded places by themselves, kind of like Shrek. Moreover, this... <laughs> Travis giggled because he noticed I did the meme thing where you censor a part of the word Shrek. And in fact, <laughs> just, to, just to give you the auditory equivalent of that i may bleep out the word shrek during the course of this <laughs> podcast so every every instance of the word shrek. every single instance of the word shrek every time we say the word shrek i've heaped on significant amounts of work upon myself and uh, just to keep myself honest i will be saying shrek periodically throughout this podcast jesus christ so future orion <laughs> yourself i guess yeah sorry dude (laughs) (laughs) moreover this self-reliant existence extends to the cyclops religious views as well generally cyclops are said to be a religious the book implies that cyclops are mostly just straight up too dumb to want to bother with complex things like rituals and means of worship and all that stuff the book says that cyclops are not inherently atheist and will recognize divine power and give some measure of deference to it as long as it continues to influence their lives whether good or bad like if they get a big old divine boon they'll recognize that it's from a god if tiamat swoops down and burns their cave they'll recognize that tiamat exists but truth be told i kind of wish that the book said they were just stubbornly non-religious even if god showed up and stared them right in the (laughs) eye I like, I, every time it comes up in D&D stuff, I really love the whole atheism in a world where literally God can come down at any time and tell you how they're feeling. Yeah, just the very, like, what is a God? Like, exactly, mentality. exactly. As Pelora's kicking you across a football field. Just very Tony Stark. Like, if you were a God, you couldn't physically touch me. Just... <laughs> is that a thing Tony Stark has said? I mean, he he's he's starkly an a- well starkly he's starkly an atheist, even though he's literally met gods. So like Tony St- Tony Stark has literally met gods, is what you just told me. My dude, like he's got Thor is the god of thunder. Tony Stark, oh my god, dude. <laughs> who <laughs> who are I, you thinking? I I was who? thinking about Tony Hawk. <laughs> His half pipe game is so good, he flew into heaven. (laughs) Yes, Tony Stark, Iron Man, okay. Holy shit! Alright, yes, 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 I love that as well. I love the idea. Anytime that 
a character is devoutly atheist in a world where God clearly exists. I love that. I love that trope. And I do, I understand it breaks the fun of what we hear about later where, you know, clever magic users or clerics can convince trick cyclops into thinking that they're gods. Uh, and I do think that mm -hmm. that is very cool. But I just love that ridiculously atheistic trope that happens sometimes yeah. in fantasy. Uh, so much that I wish that it existed in this. No, Ryan. Yeah. You made me laugh so hard I have to poop now. All right. Well, if we can take a quick break. If I think I have to. All I right. think I literally have I'm, to. I'm sorry I joked the feces out of you. Oh, my God. I'll be right back. All right. So I'm going to be thinking about Tony Hawk meeting God for, like, a day. Travis is going to poop. In the meantime, track. So in terms of their lifestyle, Cyclops are said to live simple pastoral lives, often alone but sometimes in family groups, raising herds for food and resources, living in caves or ruins or stone huts, whatever they can manage. As in the Odyssey, Cyclops will often gather their herds inside their homes and seal the entrances with huge boulders in order to keep their animals protected in a sort of makeshift farm. Yeah, it's interesting. I... I had never really. Every time I think about a cyclops, I basically just think about a big dumb stone giant, basically. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about. I I forget cyclopses are smart. Yeah, or at least uh, not like, li not like not like smart, but like they're not they're like not a five animals. intelligence creature. Yeah. Yeah. They have they have a capacity to think and reason, uh, even if it's not very good, and it's. I, I like the dichotomy between Cyclops and Giants, and I kind of wish that we got a little bit more of them, truth be told. Yeah. Again, this is mostly Odyssey stuff that they're drawing from, and I think that is where this lore falls down a little bit, is that they are introducing effectively a giant in a world where giants exist, yeah. and I wish that uh, there was a little bit more interplay between them. We'll talk about that pretty much right now in in kind of a weird detail that i think is strangely practical for this isolationist creature cyclops will usually set up homes within a day's walk from other cyclops and consequently they have a sort of small scale network of trade and information between them and also should they need mates to find here are some mates within a day's walk it makes sense but the way that the book frames cyclops in the first part of the lore it makes them sound like Cyclops would be dispersed all over the world, kind of steadfastly ignoring anything else, including other Cyclops. Yeah. But, like, I understand... Although, I, it does, it does, I guess, leave that a little bit open to still be the case if it's just, like, two cy Cyclopean villages that are within a day from each other, not, like, a network of a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, there's room for it. I don't know. I, I Maybe it's just, like... It's this strange thing where they lean very hard into this mythological view of the Cyclops as this kind of strange, lonesome monster that this is one of the few instances where the ecological details about the creature seem to Im infringe or, like, impact my view of the weird mythological magical nature of it i guess yeah that's actually i was about to say the <laughs> there's not it starts yeah. off as like uh, uh the mythological like 
oh, this is a cyclops, and this is how a cyclops lives. This is what a cyclops does. And then they, like, humanize the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's like later series Metroid games, where Ridley began as this strange, mysterious creature, and now we know just a little bit too much about it. <laughs> you know? I wish that maybe they had left out some of these larger, globalized details about, like, Cyclops' yeah. relationships and whatnot, just because I I like it a little bit more if Cyclops are rarer, I guess. Yeah, because it, it really does feel like they're just kind of infringing on the giant's place in the book. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And then also, we have giants, so it's a little bit redundant. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just, like, we have all of this lore about how all the giants live, and then there's just also Cyclops. Yeah, and then there's this there. weird kind of like, giant... It's, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't insanely bother me because, you know, everybody's going to do their own thing with whatever they want to do with the Cyclops anyway. So, yeah, eh. of course. But for what it is, I wish it maybe wasn't. Eh. The book says that Cyclops craft their own things with whatever they come across, usually wood or stone, but sometimes they'll repurpose bits of metal that they find. Moreover, and this is the, the detail that I wish was explored a bit more, because Cyclops, we're told, are descended from this progenitor god that made giants they understand giant as well and boy i wish that the book got more into the ontology of cyclops because they are as mm -hmm. they are we have giants who are like a fully formed culture and have relationships and have a place in the world and i love the idea of this like weird abomination giant that was <laughs> created by this god and i just want to know how like how like that god thinks of them and how other giants think of cyclops that is kind of the relationship that i'm interested in I want to learn more about what makes a Cyclops weird and not necessarily what makes a Cyclops able to survive. We we call the Cyclops the giant mistake. Exactly, yeah, this, like, awful thing. At any rate, the book suggests that Cyclops are too dumb for language anyway, and they just prefer to, instead of speaking giant at each other, they just kind of grunt at each other instead of using words. Yeah, which I have, like, a slight problem with, if only because it paints a weird picture for the eight intelligence they have. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I I wish that, I just want more, maybe, ontological context. Like, if there was some strange magical thing at play that cursed this entire abomination species of giant to be mm -hmm. profoundly stubborn, that would be kind of cool. As it is, it yeah. does just feel like, it kind of feels pick and choosy where like they gave us this real ass realistic detail about how their social structures are while at the same time giving us these weird crazy details like they don't they choose not to use language yeah they choose to be too dumb to speak they're not too dumb to speak they just choose yeah it's very strange you can't have your cake and be too dumb to eat it too wizards of the coast <laughs> As you'd expect, they don't use money either. They instead just repurpose whatever shiny things they find, including metal tools like spoons or shiny goblets, and repurpose them as jewelry. Which would explain the uh, the big old chain necklace on the picture of our boy, right? Exactly, exactly. Coins on it? That is what they, they were going for with the picture. There's some metal hoops and coins and stuff that the Cyclops in the artwork adorns themselves with, and here's the context for that. Finally, 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 we get to the psychological stuff that informs the rest of the lore. Cyclops are said to be dumb and traditionally minded, taking a real, you know, don't fix what ain't broke mindset to their lives. 
although their size does make them dangerous, they can be tricked by clever folk, as in the Odyssey. And in just like in like a little pit stop here, this is what I was expecting with the cockatrice and to some extent the chimera. Most of the Cyclops details, as I mentioned, are lifted wholesale from the mythology. It's so weird that they did not do that whatsoever with the cockatrice or even really with the chimera. It's very strange that this was the thing that they were like, let's be faithful to Greek mythology. Yeah, absolutely. They're, it's just like, <laughs> the, the Cyclops feels almost out of place in how lifted from something else it is. It is very but strange. But only because like all these other things have nothing like that. Like, yeah, yeah. I I was kind of expecting some kind of D&D ass take on the Cyclops to make it different in a particular way. But, uh, yeah, like the Chimera got that whole thing about Demogorgon just being like, yeah, fuck it, and just transforming a bunch of animals. And the Cockatrice got that thing where they got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> the Cockatrice got that thing where nobody in any edition ever cared about them. Yeah. But, like, the Cyclops is just straight up just a cyclops a dude yeah just a dude just a cyclops dude yeah <laughs> yeah it's very strange i don't i i i mean like it's fair and it works it's just a strange choice i almost expected the cyclops in this game in D to be like the cyclo the cyclopes whatever to be like the cyclops in um dragon's dogma where they were like more monstrous they have like big tusks it's yeah. almost like in orcish cyclops almost yeah since you know DD loves their murder races i was expecting just a big evil thing as well uh but nope they but instead we just got the big unwise dumb thing yeah which <laughs> i mean like on the scale is kind of kind to the better. cyclops yeah it's kind of better in a yeah, way it's not <laughs> it's not good but on the scale from like bugbears is just being evil demon creatures uh it's nice that they you know stop to think about the social structure for the cyclops and how they're just they're just happy to live out their lives in their swamp like Shrek. <laughs> like Shrek, yeah mm -hmm. Shrek. Shrek. yeah anyway since cyclops <laughs> have zero experience with magic they can be tricked as i mentioned before into believing that a hedge wizard basically a little quizzling mage is a god with the proper display of magical skill they can be tricked of course, once they realize they've been duped, they'll respond with the sort of level-headedness you'd expect from a big, dumb, giant monster. And this is the, I think, where most of the fun encounter stuff comes in, the nice, you know, non-combat encounter stuff. I think you could have a lot yeah. of fun with, you know, especially if it's like a bard that's already up their own ass. I think that <laughs> this could turn into a really fun little character moment. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is interesting to see, I think this is probably, I'm going to hazard a guess and say the only time in the book where a sentient creature's wisdom comes into play. Right, as part of a story lore thing, yeah. It's quite yeah. good and cool, and I like it. I do like it when lore reflects the stat block. Anytime that that can happen, I'm always down for it. Um, so, like, good on him for including this this fun thing that while is again lifted pretty much wholesale from the odyssey could create a fun encounter yeah absolutely yeah it's arguably the 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 most fun part of the odyssey it's yeah fucking with the cyclops absolutely that's my <laughs> that's you didn't see that top 10 cyclops fuck compilations 
It's my favorite episode of Jackass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Steve-O, <laughs> and I'm going to mess with the Cyclops. <laughs> anyway. So, so yeah. So, on the whole, I, I think I do like the lore a fair bit. I like the encounters that it could resolve in, even if I wish that there was a little bit more about the, like, ontological giant stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I like... Again, I I like pretty much everything about it. It's just it feels a little out of place, but it's nice that mm-hmm. it's all there. Mm-hmm. In terms of the mechanical stuff, as I said, there's not too much here, but they at least included a trait that makes sense for the kind of creature it is, so it's already better than the Chimera. <laughs> it's true. So statistically speaking, the Cyclops is a capital H huge, capital G giant, with a chaotic neutral alignment. <laughs> they have a six challenge rating, making them somewhat early game monsters, with both a below average 14 AC and a below average 138 HP. In fact... On the whole, I think the Cyclops as a monster is pretty handicapped in a number of ways, except for the accuracy of their attacks. I'm pretty sure the Cyclops is probably the weakest monster of this six challenge rating. Yeah, that'd be... that's probably fair. That's probably fair to say. Which, like, can be utilized. At least for as big as it is. Exactly. Which is interesting in its own right and can be utilized, right? So, like, if your party just got out of a big old raging fight with, like... So... I did a, a Google search here, and the first other CR6 monster I found was the Chimera, which isn't all that tough either. So having another look, uh, well, actually, most of the CR6 monsters aren't all that tough, and a lot of them also strangely have a mythological root. So, like, this is the CR for the Medusa as well. And I wonder if this is, and this is like a subtangent within a subtangent, is this a pacing thing, do you think? Like, I'm imagining a scenario where, you know, all of the player characters... They just hit level five. They just got all their cool shit, their third level spells and their multi-attacks and whatever. Do you think that they, A, decided to put a whole bunch of very iconic mythological monsters into this level in order to make the players feel cool when they were fighting them and B, also make them feel kind of underpowered in order to make the characters feel badass? That is an interesting idea. It it It's like introducing... It's like right when the game begins to get its most fantastical is when all of the mythological beasts come in. Yeah. And you you end up feeling like heroes of legend exactly. at like level 5. Exactly. And I <laughs> Yeah, that is that is interesting. I I think that's what they're going for. I think, you know, dare I say they they planned it out to be that way where they wanted these very iconic monsters and also kind of weaker monsters just there to build up the ego of the player characters. And again, this is not like heavily analyzed i looked through the other cr6 monsters uh and most of them were a bit weaker there were a couple of i think there was another celestial monster in there and you know all celestial monsters are badass but for the most part it it does feel like like the medusa didn't seem that tough i think this might be a game pacing thing like i think they designed these monsters in this bracket to be a little bit weaker i would say it's so you can uh feel 
justify grouping them up, but there's no justification for that in the Chimera. Oh, it definitely should not be throwing more than one Chimera at things. Like in a Monster Mash <laughs> scenario? Like, I was just hanging no. out and Medusa showed up. They went down to Cyclops no. party last night. No, I mean, like, more than one Cyclops and more than one Medusa, like... Right, right. So, like, if you want to have a family of Chimeras... Yeah, family of Cyclops makes sense, but a family of Chimeras makes less sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, so it could be utilized. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, if you throw a fight with a Chimera or a Cyclops at the party and they get trashed real easily, don't necessarily feel bad. I think it is intentional for the monsters around this point in the game to be a little bit weaker. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot of evidence to support this, but I have enough that makes me feel comfortable saying that that might be the case. Regardless, like the Chimera, the Cyclops isn't all that tough. Yeah. Cyclopses, they have a move speed of 30 feet, as you'd expect, and all the attributes that you'd expect as well, with a very high strength and a very high constitution, and then average dexterity and charisma, and real garbo intelligence and wisdom. Consequently, they have a just, real low passive perception of aid as well. It's just, like, I looked back at the numbers, and it's just incredible how low their wisdom is. <laughs> What's the wisdom score again? Oh, that's a Five. six. Oh, it's six. Sorry. I, I thought I looked at it and it was five, but yeah, it's six. Sure. Yeah. Still, like. Yeah, that's a, uh, that, that's gotta be an oof. That won't age it's well. Like, it, you might as well not even roll for insight yeah. at that point. Like, yeah, that's, and it's kind of uh, subversive since you think that a creature with such a big old eye would be good at seeing stuff. But I <laughs> yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess so, huh? I guess not. I guess not. It is, I guess that does make it counterintuitive. Yeah, it's that, well. It's that thing where, like, you know, perception keys off of wisdom because it's not necessarily what you see. It's how attuned you are to your surroundings. So I can imagine a big lumbering dumb thing uh, not necessarily being so perceptive or on the level for what's around. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that thing in a movie where the... The big Cyclops monster is looking around the room, and it absolutely looks at the guy that's hiding behind the rock. Yeah. But just scans right past it because it's too dumb to think. Yeah, and that could be kind of a fun little comedy beat as well if the rogue is sneaking by and you actually have the Cyclops look at the rogue only for them to miss it. That would be kind of a fun little joke. <laughs> a little Cyclops goof. <laughs> this is just like what we call a little Cyclops goof. Yeah, we're just going to throw down some Cyclops goofs for you. And as mentioned, they can speak giant, even if they won't do so normally, which again, isn't... I Since it's giant, I'll let it slide, because chances are none of the player characters are going to speak giant, so I'm yeah, mostly fine I with guess. it. I, <laughs> on the whole, prefer if a creature can speak a language, they speak it and reflect some degree of intelligence, but since the player characters are going to be walking around the Cyclops' house they'll already get a sense that the Cyclops is intelligent. So they get a trait that reflects their physiology. Again, kind of weirdly, it's a handicap making the Cyclops weaker. It's called poor depth perception, and it gives the Cyclops disadvantage on a target more than 30 feet away, which like is fair, is a fair detail, even if it is a weird choice to limit this already kind of underpowered monster. I'm always down for logically exploitable flaws in a monster's physiology or psychology, so I like that it's there. It's just weird that it wasn't counterbalanced with, like, Brute or something. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty weird. It, uh, does it... Hold on. I have to actually... It does... This app look again. It does do the 
huge monster thing where it gets a little bit extra damage dice just by the nature of its right, size. But arguably not. It's still not. Uh, it's still not appreciably big. Like we'll talk about it right now. Here, I'll, I'll mention it right now. In terms of its actions, the Cyclops it gets a multi-attack where it can hit twice with their club, and this club has a very accurate plus nine to hit while doing a pretty average 19 3d8 plus 6 bludgeoning damage. So, again, the damage isn't necessarily there to compensate for its size or its low HP or low AC. Yeah, just like one more d8, I think, really. Yeah, it's it's strange. Like, they're trying to compensate a little bit with the accuracy because it is pretty accurate plus nine to hit at yeah. for a cr6 monster is pretty good yeah and it does have 10 foot range so i guess yeah yeah it, it's fine it's just like you know if a team of five level six level five player characters get around this guy it'll be dunion rings in like two turns yeah so i don't know it feels a little bit weird it almost feels like they were trying to get the cyclops to be more of a ranged creature like they wanted you to have this monster that was one step away, but not too far to make the entire fight neutralized by melee fighters, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And they even, as the next attack, give it a ranged attack. They do. But then they... They do. It's So like the other attack that <laughs> the Cyclops get is comically called Rock, where it just chucks a boulder <laughs> at someone. Again, its ranged capabilities are limited to 30 feet without disadvantage with an upper limit of 120 feet. But within that 30 feet, the attack also has a very accurate plus nine to hit, doing a below average or about average for a ranged attack of its kind, 28, 40, 10 plus six bludgeoning damage. So like they do and have a ranged capability. Yeah, 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 yeah. And giving it the disadvantage at a range and th this... This attack is also something I wanted to talk to you about. Yes. Is it, are we to assume that a Cyclops and a Giant, all Giants have, I think, this rock attack as well. At least most of them do. Mm-hmm. Are we to assume they are always in possession of and can always acquire a large rock to throw? That is exactly the question I was hoping you'd ask. I, <laughs> I... God, so the, it, again, it always depends on the game. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you're doing, you know, six jackasses in D&D &D land, then feel free to just like improbably have the Cyclops pick up rocks just like wherever, like just cartoon style, pick them up out of the loincloth or whatever. Or just like reach hand into ground and tear the ground out and throw it. Exactly. Like. Yeah, I think that's what kind of what they're going for is the Cyclops can just rip stuff out of the ground even if they're just taking pebbles and chucking them at ridiculous force i think it would be really cool to and this is getting into the sort of encounter thoughts i think it would be really cool to have this attack reflect the environment so like mm -hmm. the cyclops does have this ranged attack that is somewhat lethal it it does the job i like the idea of if you're finding him in a forest or in a cave or whatever if there are Things like trees or small boulders that the players can use for cover. I like the idea of the Cyclops being able to take these boulders that they've been using for cover <laughs> and chucking them at the players. So it becomes oh, kind of like a, yeah, kind of like a space invaders kind of thing where the cover is slowly diminished over time. Yeah, that's real fun. I think that would be kind of <laughs> cool. It kind of reminds me of the Hinox fights from Breath of the Wild, the big giant fights from that. Uh, and I think that would be pretty cool. <laughs> in a conversely, in a situation like 
uh, if you're running like uh, one of those games where you have to kind of where you feel like you have to explain everything in a stat block, like you have to justify the Cyclops having this this one rock that it carries around with it to throw, that becomes real kind of shitty and dangerous with the Cyclops because you get the one rock and it has disadvantage on probably any attack you'll make with it. Yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't consider the Cyclops as being a profoundly... Like, I don't... I didn't consider any scenarios where the party is walking through this pass and the Cyclops is up way up on the top of a bluff, throwing rocks down at them. It was pretty much yeah. up-close encounters is what I was imagining with this guy, exactly for that reason. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And, and it does feel weird. This is the other thing that makes me feel weird about the stat block is... This design ethos of giving the Cyclops high accuracy, low damage attacks doesn't quite match what I think of when I think about a big, dumb, giant creature. But mm -hmm. I can kind of do the little mental acrobatics to make it work when I think about how the attacks key off the Cyclops' strength. So, like, it's not the idea is not that the Cyclops is a master sniper. It's the idea that the rock is really fucking big. Or, like, the club is just so big it's hard to block. Yeah, or, like, it's it's both so big it's hard to block and, like, even if it barely grazes you, it's just enough, like, force behind it to just really mess you up. Exactly, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Do you remember the little fun thing? You might not have even realized it was what I did. I, I have a fun way of uh, flavoring the rock attack as I have used on a giant against you guys in the game that I was running for you, mm. where if, say, you're in a place where you do not have access to rock, mm -hmm. such as the giant fight on a big metal plate, mm -hmm. have the, let's call it the Cyclops for right now, grapple one of the party members with his big meaty claw. Yes. And use the player as a rock <laughs> against another player. I... Did that actually go off in the game that we played? Did you actually chuck a motherfucker at another motherfucker? It sure did, yeah. It was, I believe at the time, it was Rock. <laughs> Ironically. Ironically. Remember, I, I picked up Rock, our little half-goblin, half-orc, and I threw it at the paladin. Oh, well, there there we go. Or the cleric, what, sorry. Or whatever. The cleric. That, uh, yeah. yeah, so that works. <laughs> um, If you, I, I think that's, fair and good if they get like a grapple off to do the rock attack with a player yeah it's it's just it's real fun and it certainly adds a little bit of spice to the encounter i feel yeah <laughs> yeah i like that i like that idea do that <laughs> but yeah that's pretty much all the cyclops gets in terms of mechanical stuff it's more interesting yeah. than the chimera but not by much yeah, ironically, the thing that makes it more interesting is just that it has sucky eyes. Yeah. Yep. Sucky eye. Yep, that's it. The thing that makes it cooler is that it is dumber and not good. <laughs> Ain't that just the way? Yup. In terms of ideal encounters with this guy, since it's not evil in alignment and they're mostly isolated creatures, I'm thinking these guys are more likely to be a surprise encounter than anything else. So, like, you could make it work. You could, you know, Farmer Steve could rock up and he could he could he could chime in with a giant stole my sheep or giants <laughs> using my gold yeah as a necklace no i'm gonna retake that okay cool you could make it work farmer steve could run up and be like giants stole my sheep or giants using my gold as a necklace but beyond that i'm feeling like this is one of the monsters that you just kind of happen to run into as you pass by a cave or something 
Yeah, this is the you have entered their territory on accident yeah, kind of monster. This, yeah, this is a fee-fi-fo-fum, not necessarily uh, Cyclops is killing us, please help kind of thing. Yeah. Moreover, these lore details around the Cyclops, they're just begging for a more social encounter. As I mentioned, the Cyclops can be tricked and has, you know, a herd that it is emotionally invested in. So, and, and like doubly so, because the Cyclops is not inherently evil, it's not looking for a fight. I think that this could articulate in a whole bunch of ways. So like you could have the Cyclops accost the party on their way past the cave. You know, it gets a little bit scared that these well-armed folk are wandering by. You could have the Cyclops steal something shiny from the party. You could have the party need to break into the cave in order to get something back. But in all of these cases, the magic user, especially if the creature is not immediately hostile, they're going to want to try to trick these guys with their magic, especially if you really sell how big and imposing this slab of Cyclops meat is. <laughs> Which, like, I'm totally down for. This could be a really big confidence booster, especially since the casters just hit level five, just got their crazy-ass spells, and it could make them feel very cool watching this big old giant cower because the wizard cast fireball at a tree or something. Absolutely. It would for sure make me be like, ooh, I guess I do have power exactly and they feel powerful too because they just got fireball and it feels awesome they just got fear and it feels really cool yeah of course if and when the cyclops eventually catches you know the rogue breaking their way into the cyclops cave that's when the real combat starts truth be told there are a bunch of ways that a fight with the cyclops could articulate as well so like the cyclops could try to brick the party into the cave with a big boulder as happens in the odyssey and mm -hmm. if the Cyclops is not in the cave with them, the party can come up with a whole bunch of cool, inventive ways to use their fancy new spells or crazy ass shit that they picked up to move this big rock that's locked them in. And if there is a Cyclops in the cave with them while they're bouldered in, they have to contend with the fact that the Cyclops won't be hampered by their range limit while in a tiny little cave. True. And they're, they're in their natural elements, surrounded by rocks. Exactly. <laughs> many, many rocks to choose from. <laughs> so if it shakes out that the party ends up being outside the cave, I think, again, I think it would be nice, even if the mechanical benefit is somewhat minimal, to have the Cyclops rip out trees and rocks to use in combat. Maybe you could give them, like, a little bit of a damage bonus. But more importantly, I think that, you know, it could be fun for like having a cover style system where they're behind the trees in order to dodge the rocks and then the cyclops just picks up the trees i think that would be kind of a cool oh shit moment just for a minute absolutely it, it'd be it's it leads me to believe that i just like the best encounter in an outside place on your map you would have like a lot maybe like a lot more clutter than you would usually put in a battle map just Exactly. For that kind of reason. Exactly. And if we're going to double down on the Breath of the Wild stuff, you know, the Cyclops, they are known to have cool stuff dangling from their necks. So, like, maybe instead of just some coins or whatever, there could be, like, a dagger that's really important, like, the, the rogue could use, or there could be some really cool sword or anything like the Hinox has in Breath of the Wild. They could have stuff on their bodies that they could, uh, the party, the player characters could try to repurpose for their own use in the fight. Yeah. Again, you know, the low armor class and the low hit points that the Cyclops has, this fight won't take a super long time. So I would just, you know, start showing your toys as quickly as you can, like show the Cyclops 
ripping out trees, show the Cyclops blocking the party in with boulders. I'm imagining a scenario where if you have the Cyclops's herd nearby, the Cyclops could be baited into getting stuck in a very vulnerable position if one of the party members is very obviously going after the Cyclops sheep or whatever. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I... Stealing from a Cyclops as part of an encounter seems like a bad idea, really. It doesn't feel morally good. <laughs> yeah, it like if 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 the Cyclops was blatantly evil, I'd be like, yeah, fuck it. But eh. But since <laughs> since it is basically just a sad trick, <laughs> I think maybe you know that I whatever you know. Most parties are just evil murder monsters anyway. So <laughs> it's true. Everybody, no matter. No matter how lawful good their alignment, when it really comes down to it, everyone's chaotic neutral anyway. Yeah. Which is just part and parcel of D&D, so whatever. It may not make me feel good, <laughs> but that's not going to stop the party from doing it, so. so there we go. But yeah, on the whole, it's a monster. I like it. It's fine. The lore is there. The mechanical stuff is mostly there. I can see this being a pretty good encounter to fill up a session if needed, if you need to, you know, have some filler episodes while the party gets from City A to City B. I think that the Cyclops is a good choice. Yeah. If only because I'm sure some of the people who are playing in your D&D group are Odyssey literate and will feel kind of like cool mythological heroes making a yeah. chump out of this Cyclops. Do you think that the the stat block would feel less weird if it was not categorized as a giant, but instead was categorized as a monstrosity? As we talked about before, monstrosities sort of feel like the Greek legend just the mythological creature uh creature type yeah yeah i kind of like that they are giants and i like the little degrees of lore that is giant based in the cyclops stuff so i do i like what's there i just wish that they leaned harder into some of the giant politics stuff right just like just to see right. how they are viewed by other giants but i understand like i also could see a universe very handily where the giants who are you know, can be very intelligent and very practical, maybe created this monstrosity creature in their image. Uh, that would mm -hmm. be the Cyclops. But as it is, I kind of like this. <laughs> like, just the cousin you're ashamed of creature. Yeah. <laughs> just just sad dude. Yeah. Sad one-eyed dude. Yeah. And he's a good sad one-eyed dude. It's true. Indeed. Indeed. He's not, he's not a one-eyed monster after all. No, the real one-eyed monster was me. <laughs> And my huge slong. <laughs> high fives. Big high fives. Big high fives. Shrek. High fives. Thank you so much for listening to this very strange episode of Tooth and Nail that we recorded. Yep, sure was. If you enjoyed it, feel free to listen to more Tooth and Nail. If you're sick of hearing our voices, feel free to check out some stuff on nerdsmith.org. We've got a, a wide series of podcasts and videos for you to enjoy. All for you, you beautiful baby. In the meantime, what is our super good creature comfort for the night? Creature comfort for the Cyclops. Take out your contacts before you go to bed because that hurts your eyeballs real bad i don't want it's true if you lest you fall asleep with them in and become a real life cyclops yeah so 
do not drink cocoa because you're going to bed and I don't want your teeth to rot either. So don't make cocoa, but do take the contacts out of your eyeball because uh, we don't want you to have a big gross cyclops eye. And if you don't wear contacts, well, if you don't, if you I, don't wear, I guess have that cup of cocoa after all. Get that cup of cocoa and then stare at your computer screen all night because you're not going to bed. And we want you to have contacts so that our creature comfort applies to you. <laughs> ruin yourself for us. Yeah, ruin yourself to for our relevance. Have a good day. Bye-bye.